0: This is the New Song Church podcast. You're listening to a service from our church in Oklahoma City. Wherever you're at today, we hope this helps you to better know God and to practice the way of Jesus. Now here's the message. Good morning, second service. How's it going? You guys good? It's gonna be a great Sunday. It's been a good Sunday so far. Man, God is doing so many things amazing things at New Song Church. One of them being last week, oh wait, I don't have to show you guys this because you were here last week for Planted. I was gonna, all the other services, they didn't get to see the Planted. and I was telling them we had like 20 something plus people Planted last week, new members of New Song Church, but you were here for that. So I'm gonna skip the picture. Um, the next thing I wanted to make you guys aware of is that our Being Transformed journals, the brand new ones are available. They are out there in the lobby. Today, you can pick one up if you don't know what a Being Transformed journal is. um, These are a gift to you and they're a free resource and they are designed to help us with disciplines like daily abiding in God's word and transformational community and prayer. And the new one starts January 1st, 2023. So pick it up and make sure that you look through um, the beginning pages because there's some new additions to the Being Transformed journals, like some study resources, commentaries, things like that, uh, that you could check out. And then I also want you to look at the reading plan for the 21 days of prayer and fasting starting January 1, because there's two plans. There's plan one, there's plan two, and I want you to look over those. Uh, The first one is a 21-day shred through the New Testament. And the second one is um, a highlight chapter that you can read. Both plans are great plans. Whatever the Lord leads you to do, I want you to pray about it. God, what would you have me to do during the 21 days of prayer and fasting? And then just go for it and commit to 21 days in a row in the Word. And I'm telling you, it will set you up the rest of the year for an amazing transformation that the Lord wants to do in your life. How many know that to be true? As you've dived into the world like word, dove dived, and you've, uh, whatever, as you've gotten to the word like never before, how many know that to be true, that you've seen transformation this year, right? Amen. Amen. It's going to be very exciting. Also, welcome to all of those who are watching online. We are so glad that you are joining us. All right. I got a message today, so we're going to go ahead and get started. You ready? Okay, if you would, I haven't had you do this in a while, but would you stand to your feet for the reading of God's word? This is a very familiar passage, and the tendency when we read familiar scripture is to kind of zone out, and I don't want you to do that. So lean in, give God's word the attention it deserves this morning. Luke 2. Six through eleven, it says, So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all people for there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. You may be seated today as we continue our Advent series, I want to talk to you about the good news of great joy. Joy, the good news of great joy. Now, a couple of weeks ago, when I uh, looked ahead to remind myself what Advent theme I was going to be teaching on, I discovered it was joy, and something happened. I began to see joy everywhere. Like, kind of like when you get um, a new car and you start to see that make and model everywhere. That's what happened with joy. I started to see it everywhere. The word, at least. I started to see this word everywhere. People spell it out on their roofs at Christmas time and Christmas lights. Probably because it's like the shortest of all the words. Jay, oh, uh, why? I've seen it like uh, on, on those hand-painted wooden signs you get from Hobby Lobby, like propped up on people's porches or over their mantles. But the place I've seen it most, it's on gift cards. Look at all these gift cards. I saw it on a Target gift card. Joy, Sephora, give joy. Five below, give joy, get jolly, in and out, joy. (laughs) Krispy Kreme, give joy. As if a burger or a donut or some new BB cream could bring joy, could bring joy. This word joy is out there everywhere. I'm telling you, you're gonna leave here today and you're gonna see it everywhere too. And you know why? It's because marketers love this word joy. Because joy, if you're taking notes, joy is a good feeling in our soul when a longing is fulfilled. Joy is a good feeling in our soul when a longing is fulfilled. John the Baptist experienced this kind of joy. Uh, In John chapter three, you can read about it. He, He hears that Jesus is baptizing people and his disciples come to him and say, hey, Jesus is baptizing people. And you think John would be like, uh, Jesus, come on. It's John the Baptist. Like, this is my thing. Why don't you go like feed people, multiply bread, things like that. But I'm, I'm the Baptist. I'm John the Baptist. But that's not what he says. It says, when, when he hears of this, he says, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He's speaking to this longing for the Messiah. The Messiah is now here and his joy is fulfilled, knowing that he must decrease and Christ must increase. It actually fills him with joy, a longing fulfilled. Joy is a feeling we get when we receive something we've been longing for. And marketers know how to milk our longings for all that they are worth. Christmas morning, 1988, I am three years old and all i want for christmas is a pj sparkles doll watch this commercial and you'll see why pj sparkles shine your love on me shine 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 meet pj sparkles the doll who loves you back when i give you a hug you light up <laughs> with love from morning to night when i'm holding you tight pj sparkles shine a love. On Mm-hmm. PJ Sparkle's doll. her dress becomes a night battery not included only from the toy if you didn't grow up in the 80s i'm sorry i'm sorry for you the 80s were the best the doll that loves you my mom knew that this is what my little heart was longing for and she wanted to fulfill the longings of my heart so she went to go buy me a PJ Sparkle's doll. Only one problem they were sold out everywhere. And remember, this is 1988. This is before the internet. This is before Facebook Marketplace. This was before Amazon and eBay. All we had was Toys R Us. And KB Toys, I kind of liked it that way better actually. KB Toys, Toys R Us, Sears, Kmart, but they were all sold out, but my mom, did not give up that easily. She wanted to fulfill this longing that I had for PJ Sparkles. So she began to do her research. She began to ask around and she found out when the next shipment of PJ Sparkles was scheduled to hit the Toys R Us by our house. And she took off work, like took some sick time. And she went and she waited in line with a bunch of other desperate moms because apparently there was tons of other little girls in Tulsa that were desperate to be loved back by this doll. So she waits in line and she gets her hands on the last PJ Sparkles doll in the shipment. Now she's told me that story a couple of times because it was a very memorable Christmas for her. Why? Because not only was my longing fulfilled that morning, But her longing was fulfilled because what she longed for was to fulfill my longing. So she got as much joy that day when she, like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jingle All the Way, got the PJ Sparkles doll. As much joy as I had when I opened it that morning. But the joy did not last forever. In fact, it was pretty short-lived because once I got PJ Sparkles, I realized that, um, like this doll that I wanted to cuddle with and sleep with, she was hard as a rock. She didn't have a soft part on her body. It was like cuddling with a pretty rock. And so the joy joy was short-lived. The great philosopher Charlie Brown once said, I just don't understand Christmas, I guess. I like getting presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating trees and all that, but I'm still not happy. I always end up feeling depressed. Maybe that's you today, like you like Christmas, like fulfilling longings and longings fulfilled. That's fun while it lasts, but it never lasts as long as you think that it's going to last. Or maybe you struggle at Christmas. Like this Christmas is hard for you because your kid has this longing that you want to fulfill, but Christmas is expensive. And you can't fulfill that longing for that basketball goal or that laptop computer because it's just out of your budget and you find yourself like just feeling down. I wanna fulfill their longing, but I I can't. Or maybe you um, have given every hint all year long, like dropping the hints to to um to let your spouse know about that longing that you have but they're oblivious <laughs> and instead of getting what you long for you get the toaster <laughs> the word the word joy is out there everywhere but the feeling of joy in our soul it seems to be covered up underneath all the things that we think will bring us joy but cannot like that Christmas card. We nailed the Christmas card picture this year, yay, joy. And, and we got the Christmas cards out on time and, and, and the gifts are wrapped early and under the tree and we stayed in budget and, and all the, the, the Christmas movies and the eggnog and the peppermint bark and, and, and Nat King Cole and Bing, Bing Crosby and decorating the tree and all of these things that pile up that we think can bring us joy, but I'm I'm afraid all of these things that pile up are actually covering up the actual good news of great joy. Enter Advent. Advent is the expectant waiting, the hopeful anticipation and cheerful preparation of God breaking into our lives in all moments, all places, and all times, past, present, and future. Now, I don't know about you, But I have found that it is hard to anticipate Christ breaking in at all moments when I am worried about finding the perfect gift for every person, staying in budget, baking every Christmas treat, watching every Christmas movie, seeing every Christmas light display within a hundred mile radius. It's hard to anticipate Christ breaking in. If we are not intentional during the most wonderful time of the year about recovering, about uncovering some of the mystery and the excitement that Christmas itself ought to bring. We will have just another busy, another stressed, another McAllister esque family Christi- uh, Christmas, and we will head into the new year depleted. Advent, this series, the reading plan that we are in right now in our being transformed journals, our mindset our Advent mindset of expectancy, uh, uh, of uh, anticipation and celebration and participation. Advent concerning God's kingdom. Advent helps us to uncover the good news of great joy so that we can actually have a Merry Christmas, but not just a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. And not just a Happy New Year, but to have this underlying joy that lasts all throughout the year. Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol says, I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. This is Advent. It's too bad that Ebenezer Scrooge is more known for Bah Humbug. This is a beautiful line. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future to honor Christmas, to honor the good news of great joy all year long. This is what we are called to do, to live in the past in the present and the future. So let's talk about joy the joy that the shepherds announced the night of our dear Savior's birth, the good feeling in our soul when a longing is fulfilled and what it looks like to live into the good news of great joy, past, present, and future. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you fill me, Holy Spirit? Fill me, Holy Spirit. Breathe the breath of life, the breath of God on this room. Come and stir, come and agitate, refresh, renew, shift what needs to be shifted. Come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, I've got three points for you today, three sections, rather, that we're going to get into, the joy of Christmas past, the joy of Christmas present and the joy of Christmas future. Let's begin with the joy of Christmas past. And this is by far the lengthiest section. There's gonna be, um, at some point you're gonna think she's never gonna get to section two and three. I promise I'm gonna get to section two and three, okay? This is the lengthiest one, um, but are you ready? Somebody say, I'm ready. Okay, buckle up. The joy of Christmas past. Okay, when we turn in our Bibles from the Old Testament, we flip the page from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we are greeted with a genealogy. Matthew 1.1, look at this. It says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Somebody say David. David. The son of Abraham. Somebody say Abraham. Abraham. Now generally... We skipped genealogies. Like we had this genealogy in our Being Transformed journal on Tuesday. And I asked the Saturday night service, like who would be honest enough to say that they skimmed it and nobody was honest enough. So I'm not even gonna ask you to be honest. Um, I know y'all skimmed it, okay? <laughs> we get to the genealogy and we're like, yeah, 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 list of names. Let's get to the good part. But I'm telling you, This genealogy is key. It is critical to understanding the good news of great joy. And I love how this author, Christopher Wright, breaks this down in his book, Knowing Jesus Through the Old Testament. I'm gonna be quoting a ton from that book. I'm also gonna be quoting from uh, Kevin DeYoung's book. It's for kids called The Biggest Story. Both of these are gonna be on our Instagram story if you wanna check them out. They're both awesome. I highly recommend The Biggest Story for your kids. Wrap it up, put it under the tree. It will bless your family. All right, Christopher Wright says, the Old Testament tells a story that Jesus completes. The Old Testament tells a story that Jesus completes. It's a long story. You've seen the Old Testament, right? But here, Matthew, he, he, he uh, condenses it to 17 verses. And within those 17 verses, we find three sections. Now, instead of reading all 17 verses to you, I wanna go through each of these three sections because I believe that each section has everything to do with the joy of Christmas past. And I want to remind you That this is our Savior's genealogy. You know, we say here at New Song all the time, if it matters to you, it matters to God. But the opposite is also true. If it matters to God, it should matter to us. And this is our Savior's genealogy. It's also very much our genealogy. Those of us who are in Christ. If you are in Christ, this is your genealogy. Paul explains this in Romans 11, that the Gentiles, all of the non-Jewish people through Christ have been grafted into the original stock. We have been grafted into Abraham's tree. And this is mind-blowing. The chosen family, the chosen nation, because of this grafting that has taken place, we share We share the same root, we share the same sap of Israel's sonship of their promises of their patriarchs. This is our our, our genealogy. We honor Christmas when we purpose to be humbly mindful of the root that keeps us live, that keeps us green, that keeps us in this tree. When we honor the root that keeps us in this tree, Jesus is the root. Jesus is the root and we're going to honor him this morning. So we have our Ancestry.com history and we also have our spiritually engrafted history and our spiritually engrafted history is summed up right here in Matthew chapter one, section one. From Abraham to David. Okay, you probably know Father Abraham from uh, Sunday school, right? Father Abraham had many sons. You probably also know David from Sunday school. He killed Goliath. You probably also know how this whole story starts from Sunday school. How many of you are glad for Sunday school? Sunday school. Uh, God created the earth and human beings to dwell with him upon the earth. But the human race rebelled against God's love, against God's authority and all that God longed to have with Adam and Eve, the family, the intimacy, the relationship, the closeness, the image bearers. It wouldn't be possible any longer. God, who was so good, could not live with people who were bad. They had to leave the garden. But God promised that one of Eve's children would someday come and put things right. Now the rebellion continues until the whole of creation is entangled in this web of, of corruption and of violence and of sin. God sends the flood, but this, the flood cannot rid humanity of sin. Now by Genesis 11, we've got the tower of Babel, and sin has reached a global scale. Humanity is scattered in this point, at this point in division and in confusion all about the face of the earth. And we're left thinking is there any hope for the human race. Would there ever be a people that God could bless in the way that he longed to bless Adam and Eve? Would there ever be a people that God could have with what he wanted to have with Adam and Eve? Enter Abraham. God chose a 75-year-old man and his elderly wife, his childless wife, to set this rescue plan in motion a promised son would be born to these old people and through that son, a nation. And through that nation, the nation of Israel, God promised to bless all nations. Somebody say all nations. This is huge. This is talking about how, how the, the blessing that God longed to give to Adam and Eve, he's promising here to Abraham and to his descendants, not because of anything Abraham did, but because God chose Abraham. Isaac is born, and the family that was to become this great nation began to take shape, and it began to increase. Now, the descendants of of Abraham, they end up migrating to Egypt in a time of famine to find relief. And what happens? They end up becoming slaves for generations, like ruled by evil taskmasters. Is there any hope for God's people? We're wondering at this point. This nation that is supposed to birth the restoration of all that was lost in the garden, they're not looking so hot. Enter Moses. God delivers his people, the great Exodus, the frogs, the flies, the death angel, the Red Sea. And then after the Exodus comes Mount Sinai, God through Moses gives his law and enters into this covenant with Israel. And here's the basis of that covenant. God says he would be their God and they would be his people. Think about this. The creator of the universe says, I choose you. You will be mine, you are gonna be my people. And the God above all other gods says, and I'm going to be your God. This is the covenant he makes with this chosen people that came from the descendants of Abraham. Now, the Exodus generation, due to their unbelief, their rebellion, they die in the wilderness. And the next generation under Joshua, They take possession of the promised land, but they struggle to possess it fully. And so this aggravation sets in internal strife and external pressure and and chronic uh, disloyalty to God. And they grow frustrated and they begin to demand a monarchy, monarchy, monarchy. They want a king like the other nations. They want to look like the other nations, which is ironic because God has set them apart as a gift to the world to show the rest of the world what redeemed people look like and how redeemed people live their life. But now they want to look like the other nations. They want a king. Enter David in section two of Jesus's genealogy from David to exile. So David establishes the monarchy and there's a lot of good things that happen when David is in charge. The the people are victorious, they're prosperous. Now God makes a personal covenant with David. Abraham and David listed right there in the genealogy of Jesus. He ties his purpose for Israel, this great nation that's supposed to bless all other nation, he ties that promise to the house of David. The promise to David included a son, an heir, a great name, a special relationship, an everlasting kingdom. All that was lost in the garden would be redeemed through David's family tree. Now, David's son, Solomon, he starts off on, on the right track, like he's doing good, he rebuilds the temple, but he ends up tripping quite spectacularly. He introduces Israel to foreign trade, and with that comes a bunch of stuff that nobody likes, like forced labor, not fun. Taxation, nope. military drafts, nope, confiscation of wife, property, etc. They're not on board. They begin to become disgruntled, discontent. And that discontent led to this nation that's supposed to bless all other nations becoming divided. You have Israel in the north and you have Judah in the south and neither are crushing it. Neither are doing very good. God punished Israel first and then Judah. Here's what happens in the course of 400 years. This nation goes from top dog to dog food. They'd been kicked out. They have been exiled from the promised land, just like Adam and Eve had been kicked out of their paradise. And worst of all, David's house and David's throne were no more. So how would this nation, without a land, without a ruler, without a monarchy, how would they ever bring about a blessing to all nations? How could the promised blessing of God, everything that God longed to give to Adam and Eve, how could it come out of this mess? How could all that was lost be found in this pile of rubble and this pile of debris? Section three from exile to Messiah. After 50 years in exile, the people are losing hope. They begin to grumble. They begin to accuse Yahweh of having forgotten them and having forsook them. Again, ironic because they're the ones who are chronically forgetting and forsaking him. But the first group of the exiled Jews, they return home. They start to return home. It's a mess. There's glimmers of hope. Eventually they rebuild the temple, but depression and disillusionment set in. And it didn't matter which prophets God sent, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, or how many, the people never listened, at least not for very long. And the Old Testament comes to an end. No more warnings, no more direction, no more word from the Lord, only silence. For 400 years, But the Jewish community goes on during this time. They live through two more changes of power and something happens in this intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There begins to to, uh, uh, have, there's an increasing devotion to the law, to the Torah. This is where the scribes and the Pharisees come in. They're like, okay, exile, not good. how, How did we end up in exile? We didn't obey the law. So there's these movements of wholehearted devotion to the law and another thing that happens in between the Old Testament and the New Testament is there's this increase of messianic hope. God's people begin to long for the prophesied coming figure who would bring about this intervention, who would lead the people, this coming figure, who would herald the end of this present age of darkness, who would, who would bring with him the arrival of the kingdom of God, who would restore this nation, who was supposed to bring blessing to all other nations. They were longing for a Messiah. So imagine... The quickening of pulses. Imagine the stirring of hearts in Jewish homes and Jewish communities when into this mixture of longing for a Messiah begins to drop the news that the angels gave to the shepherds who were keeping watch over their flock by night. Imagine the stirrings that that were happening when into this mixture of longings drops the message of John the Baptist and then eventually drops the message of Jesus. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. After all of the ups and all of the downs, mostly downs, we arrive in the little town of Bethlehem where we meet this child from the line of Abraham, descended from the son of Of David, the bright and morning star, the Messiah, the Messiah who hails from the nation that was promised by God to Abraham to bless all nations, the nation that was to bring everything God desired to have with Adam and Eve to all the other nations. From this nation that at times seemed incapable of producing an everlasting kingdom comes this little Jewish baby boy, a longing fulfilled. A centuries old longing, a nation wide longing, a creation wide longing. All wrapped up in swaddling clothes, a bundle of joy, a bundle of longing fulfilled. The Messiah had come, and with the bright and morning star, a new day a new law, a new temple, a new sacrifice, a new creation. So what does this genealogy lesson have to do with your joy this Christmas season? It has everything to do with your joy this Christmas season because the Old Testament story that Jesus completes is your story and it is my story. You may be thinking, no, the Old Testament story is obviously the story of Israel. No, it is your story. This includes you, the good news of great joy that the angels announced was for all people. Listen, Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. And when you pass by your nativity scene in your home or in the yards of your neighbors, I want you to think about this. When Mary pushed that little boy into the world, she was pushing God's promise into the world. She was pushing the snake crusher into the world. She was pushing the restoration of all that was lost in the garden into the world. She was pushing joy into the world. And I want you to imagine the joy of Abba, our father in heaven, as he hears the first cries of Jesus in that nativity cave. Finally, finally, he will be able to give his children what he has longed to give them. Finally, what humanity has been longing for since Adam and Eve had to leave Eden, the gift of restored relationship, restored communion with our creator, the gift of him, all of him, not just reserved for a special group of people, but for all people. The gift of him, his joy, his peace, his righteousness, his freedom, intimacy, healing, his presence, eternal life, the God kind of life, everything we could ever need, he could now give us and we can't mess it up because this little baby boy would go on and live the next 33 years fulfilling the law perfectly so he could die on the cross as a ransom for us and present his blood as a once and for all sacrifice for those who would believe into him and he would clothe us in his righteousness. Great joy for all people, for all people. A right relationship with God was fulfilled in Christ and made available to us. And now we can say, he is our God, and we are his people. One people, one nation, one story. I kept thinking of that old Rich Mullins worship song this week as I was studying, and it would just fill me with awe, like, whoa. You know the song, Josh says, I I don't have the melody quite right, but it's okay, (laughs) See if you recognize it, okay? Oh, God, you are my God. You know it? And I will ever praise you. Oh, God, you are my God. And I am your people. And everything that you promised to Abraham, everything you promised through David is now mine in Christ Jesus, the good news of great joy. Galatians 3, eight through nine says, what's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news. We're talking about the good news of great joy, right? God proclaimed this good news. He proclaimed Jesus to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing, not one kind of like, but the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Now the blessing that Abraham received was the blessing of right standing with God through faith. The blessing Abraham received, it's not about money. I'm talking about, no, the blessing that Abraham received was the blessing of right standing with God through faith. There is no greater blessing. The joy of Christmas past is recognizing that the scriptures looked forward to us. The scriptures looked forward to the time when outsiders would become insiders through faith in Christ. The scriptures looked forward to us being blessed through this little baby boy who would make it possible for us to be engrafted into Abraham's family tree. Joy is a good feeling in our soul when a longing is fulfilled, right? The deeper the longing, I'd say the the more lasting the joy. And the deepest longing of all of our lives, communion with our creator and right standing with God has been fulfilled in Christ, which means every person who's been adopted into this family and grafted into Abraham's family tree can experience deep and lasting joy no matter what external circumstances that they're going through. Listen, if you are depressed, if you are sad, if you are foggy, get to the secret place and dive head first into your spiritual and grafted history saturate yourself with the truth about who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you. Meditate on what it means to be a daughter of God. Let those words sink in, sing them over and over. Oh God, you are my God. Until that truth hits your soul. Let your mind be blown as you meditate on promises like his faithfulness endures through generations What generation are you? You're a boomer, you're generation X, you're millennial, generation Z. Whatever generation you are in, you need to find yourself in this story. His faithfulness has endured to you and your generation. The good news of great joy. Next, the joy of Christmas present. The joy of Christmas present. Jesus came, passed. He's coming again, future, and somewhere in the middle where we find ourselves is the present. God's kingdom has come, right? We also know um, that there's more to come. So in this time that we find ourselves in, where, where we live in this reality of kingdom now and kingdom not yet, how can we experience, how can we participate in the joy of Christmas present? I think there's probably a lot of ways, but I just want to highlight one way that the Lord highlighted to me this week. It's in John 15, where Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, My Father's glorified when you bear much fruit and you prove to be my disciples. And then he says this These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy might be full. So he goes about talking, he he goes from talking about like glorifying uh, him, like how he goes from talking about my father's glorified when you bear much fruit and about proving to be his disciples. And then he says, I tell you this so your joy can be full and so that you can have my joy. So this tells me that we can experience the joy of Christmas present when we seek to fulfill our father's longing. When we seek to fulfill our father's longing. We experience joy when we look to be longing fulfillers. When we purpose to know what God longs for, what he wants for us, what his will is for our lives, and then we seek to fulfill it, it not only brings him joy, but as we fulfill his longings, it brings us joy. When we know what our purpose is, when what he's put us on earth to do, When we purpose to fulfill his longing of having a family of image bearers, carrying out his will on this earth, it is like we get to give him his PJ sparkles. This is what he's longing for. And we get to give him what he's longing for. And it fills us with joy. Okay, so what does our father long for us to do? He longs for us to live a kind of first fruits life. Somebody say first fruits. First First fruits. Okay, look at this in James 1.18. So good. It says, of his own will. This is talking about our father, of his own will, meaning he wanted to do this. This is what he willed to do, wanted to do, of his own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth, by the good news of great joy, by the whole gospel. He brought us forth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, what is first fruits talking about? That's like speaking about a a fruit harvest. So like you plant a little seed and your vine starts to grow. And then one day it's like, oh my gosh, there's a strawberry. Like that's the first fruit of the harvest and it fills you with joy. And it helps you to know that there's more where that came from. So Jesus desires or God desires that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. I wanna give you four things to meditate on so that you can, you can help discern if you're being a kind of first fruit creatures. Like, oh, I'm not experiencing much joy right now. Well, are you being a kind of first fruit creatures? Are you fulfilling the longings of your father? A first fruit creature is number one, set apart. They're not conformed to the pattern of the world, but they're being transformed by the renewing of their mind. They're not entangled, they're not bogged down by sin. They're not numb. They're not asleep. They're not sitting around comfortable in their bed while the king is knocking on the door like Pastor Tonderai talked about last week, but they are set apart. They are on fire. They are all flame. How are you doing with this? Do you look like everybody else at your workplace? Do you look like everybody else at your school? Are you set apart? A first fruit creature is set apart. Next, they're on display. They're not hiding from the world. They're not hiding. That's not what we're called to do is just create our own little communities where like, we only interact with Christians. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to be a city on a hill that can't be hidden. Showing the world what redeemed people look like and how redeemed people live their life. A first fruit creature is set apart on display and they're a preview of the future harvest. Meaning people see how God saved you and how God saved me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was dead in my sin, but now I'm alive in Christ. I once was selfish, prideful, full of fear, lust, anxiety, addicted to drugs or alcohol, but now I'm set free. And they think if he could do that for him, if he could do that for her, then maybe he could do it for me. We're supposed to be a preview of the future harvest. Set apart, on display, preview of the future harvest. And then lastly, a first fruit, a first fruit creature is continuing the ministry of Jesus. What's that look like? Looks like carrying the bread of life to the hungry. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Carrying Jesus to those who are hungry. And let me just tell you, there's so many hungry people in our community. Continuing the ministry of Jesus looks like making disciples. Who are you discipling? Are you discipling anyone? Laying hands on the sick. Casting out demons. Continuing the ministry of Jesus, people. This is what we're called to do living from a place of freely I have received. And so now freely I will give. This is what a first fruit creature looks like. And when you live as a first fruit creature, fulfilling the longings of your father, you can have joy all of your life in every season. When you offer him your obedience, your hands and your feet. I promise you, I'm not gonna remember what I got for Christmas this year, even though Josh is a phenomenal gift giver. He is not the toaster giver. He is a good, he's, he's the best gift giver. I'm the toaster giver in the family. I'm like, what, you wanted that? I had no idea. He's a good gift giver, but I'm not gonna remember the gift that he gives me. It'll bring me a little joy on Christmas morning, but you know what's gonna, when I look back over 2022, the things that are gonna bring me the most joy, the lasting joy, is those moments where like I'm just going about my business and I sense that that God has a longing to minister to this person. And I stop and I say, okay, I wanna fulfill your longing. So I'm gonna pray for this little girl named Ellie in the parking lot of Cafe Cacao who's dealing with an anxiety attack and there's demonic activity going on in her nose. And I go over and say, can I pray for you? And I'm freaking out her mom and it's awesome. And, and, and God is moving. And I get to fulfill the longing of my father to love on this little girl named Ellie, who's probably never stepped foot in, in, a, in a church all of her life. But he wants to minister his love to her. He's trying to reach her. And I get to fulfill his longing to reach her. It brought me so much joy. Praying for Rusty and his collarbone in Target. Stopping on the side of the road and praying for Erica and her son, Caden. And Caden saying, yeah, you can pray for my mom. She has seizures. And being able to lay hands on her and pray that God would heal her. Fulfilling my father's longings. Doesn't matter what other stuff is going on. I can experience lasting joy when I am being a kind of first fruits creature. Listen, get to the secret place, but by all means, do not stay in the secret place. Get out of your secret place and go and continue the ministry of Jesus and you will find a deep and lasting joy. Number three, the joy of Christmas future. The joy of Christmas future. We experience a joy of Christmas future when we look ahead to the second coming of Jesus. You know the song that we sang this morning, Joy to the World? That wasn't originally written as a Christmas song. That was written about the second coming of Jesus. It applies to both, but it was about the second coming of Christ. Jesus who was and is and is to come. He is coming back. And that is good news because we live in a world where we experience trouble. I'll close with this story. Many of you heard about... um, the house explosion that happened right here in Oklahoma City in 2020. I remember seeing uh, people that I know on Facebook sharing about this thing that this dev- this devastation that this family had experienced. This family of four, their total their house was completely and totally incinerated, completely, completely gone, completely wiped out. They lost their 14 year old daughter, Berkeley K. McGuire, in the blast. And people were sharing, sharing the story of it, sharing pictures of it, and I didn't know the family, but my heart was breaking for them. Couldn't imagine what they must be going through. Seeing pictures of the remains of the house would just make you sick to your stomach. I didn't know the family at the time, but since then they've been attending New Song. And um, I remember when somebody pointed them out, like, hey, that's the family that they lost their daughter and their home in the explosion. And I just remember thinking, what must it be like for them to come and worship the Lord after losing so much, after going through such a devastating loss, losing their daughter, their home, their neighborhood that they loved, and then dealing with the lingering health struggles that are left over from the effects of the blast that they have in their physical bodies. Living the story of Job, like everything is fine one moment and then literally like one second later, the push of a button to start a coffee maker and everything changes and nothing will be the same. I've spoken with Sean, the father of the McGuire family a few times, but a few interactions or a few weekends ago, I had one of these interactions with him that would mark me forever. He was out in the lobby, he's talking to Josh. He's holding his little baby girl. And I came over to see his little girl because she's adorable and um, talking about how cute she is. Like, oh my gosh, she's so cute. And he's blowing my mind talking about how he and his wife are 50, 50 with a new baby. I'm just like, what? Oh my gosh. And then he mentions the baby's name, Everly Joy. Everlasting joy. Here was real joy. Not just the word joy on a gift card, but real joy. And I asked him and his wife Tanda if they wouldn't mind me sharing a little bit behind how they could name their daughter Everlasting Joy after experiencing such intense loss. And here's what he wrote He said, Everly joy is God's gift a promise of the reality of everlasting joy. We hold the tension of God not raising Berkeley in this life and the sadness that brings with the promise that he will make all things new. The restoration of all things, whatever happens on this earth, we hold steadfast in the faith as an anchor that our hope is in heaven, our hope is in God. Things will never be the same, but they hold fast to the promise that all things will be made new. All things will be made new. Listen, when you're experiencing hell on earth, walking through crisis, betrayal, loss, sickness, you can still experience everlasting joy. Not someday when you start to feel better and when everything is right again, but you can experience everlasting joy right now. Believe me, believe me, Sean and his family, they still experience deep hurt every single day since that blast. And they're dealing with, 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 with doubt and, and struggling like, God, we wanna trust you again fully. But their trust was broken in that moment. There's, they're still dealing with doubts, lingering questions but they have this everlasting joy in the midst of hurting and suffering and questions in the midst of loss. They have that everlasting joy because they believe that Jesus is coming again. He is coming again. And until then, they can pray for more of his kingdom, more of his rule and reign, advancing on earth, bringing healing and wholeness and chasing out darkness and chaos. Revelation 21, one through seven. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And here it is again. I will be their God and they will be my children. Every longing fulfilled. God's longing to be our God, our longing to be His people, all fulfilled in a perfect garden city where there is no more grief, no more sorrow, no more lost. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. N.T. Wright says God is so full of mercy that his most characteristic action is to come down from the throne and in person wipe away every tear from every eye. Jesus who was and is and is to come. Advent is the expectant waiting, hopeful anticipation and cheerful preparation of God breaking into our lives in all moments, all places and all times, past, present, and future. Would you stand to your feet? We're gonna go into a time of worship as we close the service out and altar ministry. Um, but before we do, I just... If you're here and you want to be a kind of first fruits creature, but you just feel like, man, this is hard, this is tough. I wanna do this. I just feel like the Lord wants to fill us afresh with the Spirit today. So if that's you, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life and you wanna be filled again, filled afresh with the Holy Spirit, I want you to just put your hands out in front of you and I'm just gonna pray I believe this is part of our joy. Part of walking in joy is fulfilling his longings. And we can't do that in our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit. So if that's you today, just put out your your, your hands in front of you as a posture of ready to receive what God has for you today. Come Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. Fill us afresh. Fill us with your peace with your power, with your presence. Come and fill us so that we can do what you've put us on the earth to do, to be a kind of first fruit creature. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, baptize us. Come baptize us in fire. Thank you, Lord. I believe he is downloading joy into us as we are saying, yes, we want more of you, more of your spirit. Fill us with joy. Come Holy Spirit, fill us afresh once again. Fill us afresh. Thank you, Lord. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm gonna go ahead and invite our altar ministry team to come forward. And if you would say, that's me. I I can't say that I am His and that 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 I'm His people and that He's my God, but I want to. I wanna receive Him. I I, I, I want today to be the day of salvation for me. If that's you, in a second, when we go back into this worship song, come forward and receive prayer with our altar ministry team. And then if you're here and you, you have a prayer need of any kind, Maybe sickness in your body. Maybe you're feeling worn out. Maybe you're feeling fatigued. Maybe you are just stressed. Maybe you're frustrated and like, Christmas is becoming like this sad thing to you. You're dealing with depression, anxiety, whatever it looks like. Maybe you have a job interview coming up this week and you want somebody to partner and pray with you over that. Whatever it is, we would love to partner with you. So if you need prayer, come up here as soon as the song starts. And if you don't need prayer, then I want you to stay in your seats and I want you to sing these words out and tell this revelation that God is your God really hits your soul. Thank you, Father, that you are our God and that we are your people. We are so thankful for the good news of great joy. May every person in this room walk in that joy this Christmas season and all throughout their days. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would draw every single person that is in need of prayer to the altars in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. For more information on our church or for more resources to help you grow in your faith, go to newsongpeople.com or download our app by searching for Newsong Church OKC in the App Store.